I'm going to read to you first from Acts 17, verse 26. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. I'm also going to read from 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Well, good morning to everyone here. And remember that last week I decided to take a break from 1 Timothy to speak in response to the events that were going on in the U.S. And it led to an, a massive and important conversation around prejudices and discriminations that exist not only in society, but sadly often in the church as well and amongst God's people. If you remember, we came up from last week's sermon with two truths from Scripture in order to combat this temptation uh, to be, to fall into prejudice and to basically walk in obedience to Christ. First, we talked about as followers of Christ, we need to remember that every human being, no matter how different they are from us, has intrinsic value to God. First, because they're created in His image, and second, because He's the source of all life. Second, we spoke about the key to temptation and uh, battling prejudice was remembering where our citizens, citizenship actually lies. Yes, we're citizens of this world, we're citizens of Canada, but ultimately, when we become followers of Jesus Christ, we're citizens of heaven. And as a result, we're to live here by bringing God's kingdom to this world, which means that we welcome others who are different and unique from us, as Christ did when he was here as well. Now, during and after our discussion last week, as we reflected on where our church was at, I was grateful for all of us. I could see, us and, see in us and hear in us that we're all working and striving towards coming to grips with how to embrace one another despite our differences and how to treat each other with respect and dignity both inside and outside the church. However, while we were um, talking, something else, something else became apparent to me. And I think there's a, a gap, a gap that we could even bridge farther if we think carefully about the language we choose in describing those who are different than us in terms of ethnic identity and from different cultures and whatnot. You see, there were four words that kept coming up last week that I heard over and over and over again, and, and we're all using them. And the first, the words were this. The word black, the word white, the word color and the word race, or a form of it, racism or racist. And I believe today's conversation is going to be important because it's going to allow us to cover some new territory we haven't unpacked in seven years as a church plant at Genesis House. So the first thing I want to talk to you about is the differences that exist among us in regards to our skin. And why using the word black, white, and colored in describing us needs to be really thought over. And I would suggest discarded altogether. 
You know, it's interesting that we may have, we have all very different features that can distinguish us from one another. Different hair, different ears, you know, different noses and whatnot, different heights. But really, next to gender, skin seems to be the most significant. It's the most significant and obvious, especially when it comes to making racial distinctions between one another. It becomes the most obvious feature. But did you know that even though we appear to have um, very different skin tones, we, we, that's why we call some people black and some people we call white, we all basically have the same color. Did you know that? We're all basically the same color. You see, the most influential factor in determining the shade of our skin has to do with a pigment we all possess called melanin. Melanin protects our skin from being damaged by the UV rays of the sun. Those who have high amounts of melanin in their skin have darker skin. Those who have light, a few amounts of melanin in their skin have lighter skin. So in other words, but the cool thing about melanin is the basic color of melanin is brown. The color of melanin is brown. The difference is in what shade of brown is it? It's either dark or light. So I'm not trying to be over dramatic here, but I can prove that we're all different shades of brown. And there's no such thing as a black or white person. And I've asked two people if they'd mind me using them as examples, three people, and they all said yes. So, maybe I could have Stu, Josiah, and Gigi come to me. <laughs> and hopefully those of you can see them in the background. I'll back up my chair. Yeah. So here's an example. Come here, young. <laughs> <laughs> you would call Josiah a what? A white person. You would call Stuart a white person. And you would call uh, Gigi, typically, a black person. Let me ask you something. Is Josiah white? <laughs> Not at all. Is Stu white? Not at all. Is Gigi black? Is Stu black? Not at all. They're not black and white. The pigment is brown. They're different shades of brown. Thank you. You can sit down, my good helpers. This is important because Stuart and Josiah especially are called white people and yet they're they're not white at all and Josiah's the I'll use Josiah especially because he's probably got the fairest skin in our church Gigi would be the extreme on the other side so again I wasn't trying to be over dramatic but I just wanted to demonstrate that we use the word black and white but really we actually are all brown we're just different shades of brown so black and white terms are not accurate but I wanted to illustrate then to you why the different shades of skin come into play with a simple genetic lesson. A simple genetic lesson. And I apologize to those of you who really know this stuff in terms of maybe the science and biology. I'm, a, I'm not that guy, but I know the basics. So if you look on your PowerPoint sheet, you can see a gene combination chart that I put up there. And it's a, it's a, it's a grid, it's a box. 
Now, genes are pieces of DNA that contain the information necessary to build a living organism. That's like a blueprint for a building. Every child, of course, receives half their genetic info from mom and half from dad. So if you look on this screen then, we're going to say that capital A and capital B represents dark skin, lots of melanin in the, in the, in the, lots of melanin in the genetic code. We're going to say that small a and small b represent um, small amounts of melanin in the genetic code. With that being said then, if a mother who's on the top of the grid and the father on the top on the left of the grid, if both of them have dark skin or a b a b capital a b a b combinations, they're going to produce only children that are dark skinned, lots of melanin. If you have two lighter skinned parents, uh, AB, AB on the small lettering in the bottom right hand corner, they're gonna only produce light colored um, people, light tones of skin. So this is really important to understand and how this actually plays out. If you're in the middle, uh, you have a combination of capital A's and capital B's and small A's and small B's, you'll produce a mixture of different skin shades and you'll fall in the sort of middle brown categories. Now what's interesting is the majority of the people in the world fall into middle brown shades. There's 7.5 billion people in the world. Just two countries alone, China and India, China and India have 2.75 billion of those people. Two countries, 2.75 billion. Why did I pick them? Because what's the color of their, their, their shade of their skin? It's primarily middle brown. The only way for extremes in, in uh, shades to be made uh, different with people who are on the extreme ends is to introduce someone with different genetics. Otherwise, the, 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 the population will reproduce the same skin shades over and over. Hence why Scandinavians like, uh, you know, Swedish and Norwegian typically have Josiah's type of features over and over and over. Also, if you go to Nigeria, why their culture has uh, the same look over and over and over. The only way to change that look is to introduce someone with a completely different set of skin, uh, skin shade genetics. And when people do this, they create incredible uh, variation. Incredible variation. And I want to show you something so cool. I want to show you sets of twins that look like they're different racially. They're from the exact same family. Look at your sheet, please, with me. Look at the first set of twins. These girls. One is dark. One is, looks like Josiah. And one looks like Gigi. Same family. Same parents. Isn't that incredible? Look at these young men grown up, te late, late teens, same set of parents, same family, to, because they had a combination of small a, small b, and capital A, capital B, produced two distinct children from the same, at the same birth. And my personal favorites, these ones are all identical twins. These ones are fraternal twins. They couldn't be any more different. They were born at the same time. Look at these girls, Marie and Lucy Alamer. Completely different look. They don't look like twins at this, in any way. They're fraternal twins born at identical times. I see Julie and Gigi sitting together. Technically, they could be sisters from the same family. That is absolutely phenomenal when you think about genetics and how they work. 
You see, this is important when you begin to understand and see all this. And I hope you see why we shouldn't refer to one another as black and white and, and remove that language from our, from our midst. First of all, we've determined that one, all of us have the same skin. We all have brown melanin. Outside of albinos, the pigment is brown. We're all the same, just different shades. Second, now referring to someone being of color is ridiculous. If I were to ask you today, who are the people of color? Predominantly, be honest, I think you'd probably say, um, well, probably the black people are. But remember, who is the majority of the people in the world? Middle brown. If they're the majority, people like me are the people of color. <laughs> if you want to technically use those words. That means that we're in the minority. This is critical. This is critical to understand. And you can see how even though we've, uh, we are Bible-believing and God-loving people, our European Western culture still very much influence our thinking and the way we approach other people. But there's a third reason, and I want to suggest this is the most important reason for why we have to think differently. I'm going to ask you a question, and it's rhetorical. <laughs> the, the Bible records 4,000 years of history, from Genesis 1 to Jesus, about 4,000 years of history. Can you think of any place in Scripture where God defines people or humanity by color of their skin? Anywhere. I can't. I can't. So if he doesn't define them that way, should we? The question then is if he doesn't define them that way, how does he define them? Well, this leads me to another word on our sheet here, on the PowerPoint, the word race, or the word racism or racist. You know, within our society, we commonly refer to those different cultures or those with different ethnic identities of being of a different race. But just like color, the Bible never defines people being of different races. They doesn't exist. Instead, the Bible describes the differences that exist between us in other ways. Look at this in Genesis chapter 12 with the Abrahamic covenant. It's on your PowerPoint sheet. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from which your father's house to the land which I will show you. I will make you a great nation. So he's an Israelite, eventually becomes an Israelite. And I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And in all you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Not race, but families of the earth. How about this verse? In Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Jesus has been crucified, been resurrected, um, and he's going to send the people out. And he says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go there, therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I commanded you. So we've got the word family. We have the word nation. And my personal favorite, Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count, and from every nation, and all tribes, and all peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, 
clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. We got families, we have nations, we have tribes, we have peoples, we have tongues. We don't have the definition of race. And this makes sense based on our origins. We're all descendants of Adam and Eve. That's who we're descended from. We all come from him. That means as they were fruitful and multiplied and filled the earth, as the population got bigger, um, all of the people shared the same bloodline with him. And remember in Genesis 1, what did God say when he made the creation of the first six days? He said this, after the plants and animals, he says he made them after their kind and after their kind and after their kind, and they were to produce others of the same kind. The pinnacle of creation was, was Adam and Eve. What kind are Adam and Eve? They're the human kind. So what are they going to produce? Only human beings. There's only one kind. There's a human kind. There's not different races, different kinds of people. There's one kind, the human kind, expressed in different language, different shades of skin, and different cultures. The cross was for one kind, the human kind. We're the only kind that can be in relationship with him. There's an incredible verse in Acts 7. I read it actually uh, starting the service off. And God who made the world and everything in it was the Lord of heaven and earth. He himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. He made from one man, every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, that they should inhabit the earth for in him we live and move and have our being. You see, we're all one blood. We're all one kind. If you're going to use the word race, we're all one race. There aren't multiple races of people. What's cool about this, that means if we're, from, if we're all descended from Adam and Eve, we're all related. We're all related. You ever think of that? Like Josiah, if I were to ask you who your brother and sister were, you'd say Jared and Leah and Adeline. But if I ever said to you, did you know that you're related to Elijah? Did you know you're related to Julie? Did you know related to Gigi? You'd think, I'm not related to them at all. But not according to the Bible. You are related. You come from Adam and Eve as the first human being, and it's a giant tree, a family tree of people just spread out all through the world. Yeah, they're hugely distant cousins or distant relatives, but you're still related. You're one blood. You're one blood. Wouldn't that change how you view humanity and how you treat one another if you actually saw them as related to you? Make a massive difference. This is why this is so important. Do you know what this means then? There's no such thing as an interracial marriage. There's no such thing as an interracial marriage. There's one race. You go back to those twins. They don't have an interracial. The parents are, are human beings with expressed in different gene pools. <laughs> but they're all the same kind. Those girls don't see themselves... Um, well, they see themselves as sisters and with the same parents. They don't see themselves as being one superior to the other, or like they're from different races. Well, if they do, they need to, they need their heads like need the correction in their thinking. There's no such thing as interracial marriage. There's just marriage. The only union that God cares about, the only union He cares about, in terms of uh, marriage, is spiritual. That's it. 
2 Corinthians 6.14 Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? Consider 1 Corinthians 7.39 A wife is bound as long as her husband lives. But if her husband is dead, she is free to be married whomever she wishes, only in the Lord. God cares about the spiritual union because when, it's, when you have someone who loves the Lord and someone who doesn't, it can become very difficult in the marriage union. And then it becomes a, a place of contention. And it's hard to maintain the marriage and keep it together. His number one concern is not cultural. In our, in our societal language, it's not racial. It's spiritual. That also means there's no such thing as biracial children. You're just children in the image of God. What's even cooler is this. It's possible. I can't prove it, but if we went for a test, if I needed a kidney transplant, it's very possible that the person who is going to be the best donor for me in this church for a kidney is Gigi and not Jeff. She could be the match for my kidney and not Jeff. Because biologically, we're all the same. The difference is the expression in the skin shade. That's it. <laughs> we're all brown, just different shades. She could be my organ donor and save my life. Not Jeff. The Australian Aborigine who, in the evolutionary thinking, who thinks that they were the closest to the apes and the original men, that, who were persecuted and, and, and uh, basically killed and thrown in zoos as uh, spectacles, those people are all human beings. That Ab Abor Australian Aborigine that is half naked and has paint on his face and holds a spear could be my closest DNA match. That's a far cry from the world, church. In 1925, only a hundred years ago, there was a biology textbook circulating through the U.S. public schools titled A Civic Biology Presented in Problems by George William Hunter. This is what he said in his biology book, circulating through the U.S. school systems. At the present time, there exists upon the earth five races. The highest type of all, the Caucasians, represented by the civilized white inhabitants of Europe and America. In 2007, a scientist and geneticist, Dr. James Watson, won a Nobel Peace Prize for his work on DNA. 2007 DNA worker, Nobel Peace Prize. He had an evolutionary world of the view, which believed there were some races superior to another. Listen to what he says. There's no firm reason to anticipate that the intellectual capacities of peoples geographically separated in their evolution should prove to have evolved identically. In other words, if you're in Australia and you're in Canada, there's no reason to think that you've evolved identically. He says, our wanting to reserve an equal powers of reason as some universal heritage of humanity will not be enough to make it so. <laughs> 2007 Nobel Peace Prize winner believes there's different races. I looked up in the Google just for fun, uh, definition of racism, just out of curiosity. This is what it said. Two definitions, virtually the same thing. Uh, so prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's race is superior. The other definition, the belief that all members of each race possess characteristics or abilities specific to that race, especially so as to distinguish it as inferior or superior to another race or races. Again, 
What does God's word say about this? Well, actually, let me look at, let me show you this first. Notice what he says here. There's a different race and people have their own race. In the second definition, there's a, again, the whole idea of being in each of a race and being superior or inferior to another race or races. Again, you can see those on your PowerPoints. Again, this concept that there's different races of people. This flies in contradiction to the truth of God's word. There's only one, if you're going to use the word race, there's only one human race. That's the human race. But I would suggest the, there's a better word than race, and that's kind. There's only one kind of plant. There's only one kind of cat. There's only one kind of human. That's one created in the image of God, who was loved by God, and, the, and the, the, had a God who would die on the cross for that person. And that's why I think we should think about abandoning the word race altogether in terms of describing people different than us in terms of skin, language, and geography. So let me just conclude with, by speaking about how this all came about. Why are we so diverse? Why are we so diverse? Even when I look around this church, why do we all look so different? The answer to this is found in Genesis 11. Genesis 11. This occurred at the Tower of Babel. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let us make bricks and make them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves, otherwise we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Now remember God's command. After Noah, this is not too long after Noah has come out of the ark, and God's command was, be fruitful, be, multiply, and fill the earth. These people who have come from Noah and the sons say, let's, not do, let's disobey God. Let's stay together. Let's huddle together. We can make a name great apart from God. So God looks at this and goes, uh-uh, not under my watch. That ain't going to happen. So look what goes on. The Lord comes down to see the city and the tower and the people were building there. And the Lord said, if, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from all over the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel or Babel because the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. It must have been quite the scene. All of us, imagine all of us here speaking the same language. And the Lord comes down and confuses, all the same, confuses every single one of us, with the exception of maybe a couple of us that could speak the same one. And I walk up to Roger, do you speak English? And he goes, huh? Right? I go to Aveline, Sprechen de Deutsch? And you're like, what? <laughs> right? It'd be just like, we ha you're looking for commonalities of people to, 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 to talk to. Because you imagine how chaotic it would be to try to like uh, live together if you couldn't speak. Imagine being married to somebody that you couldn't speak the same language. Sometimes we think we already do. <laughs> I'm married to someone who doesn't speak the same language. <laughs> That'll be another sermon though. <laughs> but again, um, we imagine how chaotic that would be. So what you would do in that situation is you'd find people of like language. You would then leave 
the other groups to go and be with them, what that would immediately do is, is actually start to uh, take the, the, the gene pool and separate it from the other gene pool. So if you had 70% of your people with uh, light melanin skin, right? So basically people that look like me and Josiah, for example, and we went off to, uh, we, we went from, that would be in modern day Iraq, and we spread west towards Scandinavia. Once our, the majority of our genes started to like become separate and we basically made this gene pool like the same, we'd start to produce like, like people in terms of language and looks and start to adopt cultural practices. So people who with dark skin, who had lots of melanin, who if they went south, predominantly to Africa and places like that, or, you know, they would then start to produce like-minded people and like uh, likes in terms of looks because they all have the same genetic features. And the gene pool would actually be get, be get more um, minim minimalized in terms of what would be reproduced. That's why we have the cultures we have today. This is why the, all the languages we have today in terms of diversity. But the environment would play a role as well the climate change. Remember what melanin's job is. It's to protect you from UV sun. Okay? People with small A and small B skin don't do well in hot climates because they easily burn and are prone to skin cancer. That's why when redheads go to Mexico, they hide under trees. <laughs> okay? So it makes sense then that in hot climates you find darker skinned people because they, their body can handle lots of sunlight. And why people who live in colder climates typically look like someone like me. There are exceptions to this, like the Inuit people and so on, but there's an explanation for that. But you get the general principle. That's why we, that's how the cultures came to be. This is why the diversity we have in the world. And this is, how, this is the biblical answer to all of this, uh, the, all of this diversity. Babel or Babel happened over 4,000 years ago. It was a long time for different cultures to develop, nations to be established, distinct features within the certain geographical areas to mark its people. So again, I say all this to hopefully make you think about the language you choose in terms of bridging the gap. I think as again, back to our original statement from our conversation last week, I think we're, we do, as a church, we're doing a a pretty darn good job of accepting one another and trying to embrace one another and working through any ideas of being superior to one another. But I think in terms of reaching out and, and bridging the gap even more, we have to think about our language biblically. God never defines people by color. He never defines people by race. Race doesn't exist. There's only one human race, if you use the word race. I hope that makes you consider how you view one another and people who are different than you. So lesson wise, there's only three. One, lesson one, God never defines people by color or race, so neither should we. How does he define people? By people groups, by nations, by tribes, by tongues. Again, we're all basically the same color. We're all brown. We're just different shades. There's only one human race. There's not different races. We're all related. There's one, we're one blood. We're one giant family. There's no such thing as a biracial marriage. There's no such thing as biracial children. 
The perceived differences that exist amongst us stem from culture, not the Bible. So when you go to shake the hand of another, understand you're shaking the hand of a distant relative who is just another shade of melanin than you are. Lesson number two. The only marital union that God forbids is spiritual. The only one he cares about is being not unequally yoked with someone who's not a believer. That means everyone else is on the table. Everyone else is on the table in terms of lang like, you know, color, language, uh, preferences, in terms of food, clothing, everything. <laughs> Here I use the word color again. See, i got to work it in my own head. But skin shade, you know, skin tone. Everyone else is, you're free to marry whoever you want as long as they're in the Lord. That's the only marriage that he restricts. And finally, the events at the Tower of Babel are the reasons for the cultural diversity we see in the world today. That's the biblical answer for why there's a tribe in Africa, there's a tribe in Australia, there's a nation of Canada, there's a nation of Norway, you know, there's a, you mean just, that's why Brazil exists, it just goes on and on and on. The, the Tower of Babel are the reasons for the diversity that we see today.